Hello out there, my little insignificant peoples who adore me. It is I, Don Carnage. And don't forget to remember, you're listening to the Enchanted Tiki Talk Podcast. <laughs> Do it. Love it. Live it. I think I'm done. This week's episode of Enchanted Tiki Talk is brought to you by Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your Disney Orlando resort, hotel, or vacation home free of charge. You choose the time of delivery and pickup, and we do the rest. It couldn't be easier. Book your Kingdom Stroller rental today by visiting KingdomStrollers.com or call 407-271-5301. Vahidi Mekioni Mana, ladies and gentlemen, no flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait, we forgot to wake up the Glee Club. Hey, howdy, hey, and thank you for joining us here on Enchanted Tiki Talk. We're your hosts. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. And I'm Alan. So grab yourself a Dole Whip, pull up a chair, and enjoy the show. This is episode 108 for the week of November 15th, 2015. Hello, and welcome to Enchanted Tiki Talk. This week, we are honored to talk with someone who is responsible for being the voice of our childhoods. You might recognize his voice from Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, and so much more. He is most beloved for a tubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff. Please welcome voice actor Jim Cummings into the Tiki Hut. Welcome, Jim. Hello, and a good morning. All right, guys. Glad to be here. Nice place you have here, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I like the uh, the torches and the... The parrots and the, the yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it works, right? It's, it's a comfy setting. It is, it is. I have to be honest, I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, like I had mentioned, you know, you're like the voice of our our, our childhood. You know, I grew up watching uh, so many Disney afternoon TV shows, so this is really exciting for myself and Alan and Keith, who isn't here. But uh, Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I get that a lot, the voice of their childhood. And I was thinking, well, as long as I didn't mess you up, I'll take it, you know? As long as, are you doing okay? Good, fine. Yeah, we're doing, you know, we're doing all right, yeah. All right, I love that. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so I, much. I, now, I do have to tell you, I've got a, I've got a, I don't know, a head cold, an allergy, something. Switching around the seasons here is uh, taking a bite out of me a little bit, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. So if, if I have to resort, resort to mime, I'm sure you'll understand. Yeah, that's not a problem. I understand. Okay, that's good. Because that's exciting audio and radio, and you know, I mean, come on. I've got flashcards though, so don't worry. Oh, I can see him. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, so uh, Keith, who's not able to be here today, he's uh, you know he he was born and 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 has grown up in in Ohio. So growing oh, yeah. up in Youngstown, did you find yourself that you could imitate characters you saw on TV in your life easily? Uh, well, the, the, well, growing up in Youngstown, that's all I, I was surrounded with characters, whether I wanted to be or not. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it was probably a part defense mechanism, you know, <laughs> being able to, uh, you, you know, it's, I feel like that old joke about Charlie Brown. Well, when somebody picks on me, I formed a discussion group. <laughs> so, you know, so, uh, it, it wasn't quite like that, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I was surrounded by a lot of characters in Youngstown and, you know, I uh, some of them have made it into uh, to cartoons, and uh, they will remain nameless, like that one guy. Anyway, no, but, uh, 
But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, beats heavy lifting, and I and I did that in Youngstown as well. So this is better. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I understand that. When you took yes, over uh, for when you took over for Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, did you study the previous actors, or did you just did it just come naturally to you? Did you kind of do your own thing there? Well, you know, I, I don't know. It wasn't so much that I I would have ever studied, but um, you know, just uh, it was. I think I'm I'm the similar to a lot of other uh, guys, a uh, lot of actors and. And certainly the the guys who specialize in voice acting, as we say, um, you, you know, I, you know. Again, uh, going back to the impressions and everything, I would do different impressions of uh, people just sitting around. You know, you're playing Monopoly, and you you say, "Well, you know, I think I'll bounce on over there to Park Place," and you know, and I, I fell into Tigger, or and it could have just as easily been John Wayne or Ed Sullivan back in the day, but um, you know, I think we. People like me who have their, uh, you know, have sustained obviously a head injury early on. Uh, we 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 tend to just pop into character anyway, just just as a, a matter of making our way through the world, you know. So it, it came rather naturally, and uh, you know, like I said, I'd be playing Monopoly, and I think, well, I I think I shall have a smackerel of honey on the Reading Railroad or whatever, you know. But right. that was my bad poo. That's poo with a cold. Yeah, <laughs> but who um, gets sick too? It's okay. Yes, apparently so. But it, yeah, it's it's just kind of a natural thing, and and as far as that goes, because uh, you know we always end up talking about well, how do you do characters? Where do they come from? I've always thought that if you do a bad impression of someone very famous that every single body everybody knows, but your impression isn't all that good and nobody recognizes it, well, you have a new character. There's a new character for you. You know, give him a personality, and you go. Then, uh, conversely, if you do a uh, perfect dead-on impression of your mailman. In other words, someone that nobody knows, you've got a new character there, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, what the heck, right? And, uh, and you know, it just makes sense. So, you know, it was always a natural thing for me to just, uh, again, fall into character. You know, falling mm-hmm. into character and, and talking about a mailman, have you ever had somebody come to the door, you know, as UPS or whatever, and just do a strange voice and, and they're just like, oh, my God, like, what is this guy doing? Uh, well, once in a blue moon, I would do something like that. For some reason, I, uh, you know, it was with my uh, older daughters, and and we were getting coming back from the airport, and nothing like pulling this on teenage girls. You know, I decided I was from India, <laughs> and um, just for the shuttle trip from the from the air, from the plane to the car, you know. Right. And I, I thought that it would be lovely for to let us go here. We are in parking lot C fourteen. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> and 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 and, the, and my my daughters are just standing there, looking frozen straight ahead, just not <laughs> being forced to get into the car with me and no and have to hang out with me, but really not being all that happy about it. You so know, being and uh, by your parents is is common that we all have, even if your parents oh, are yes. famous voice actors. Oh yes. Well, well, it happened to me, and I wanted them to experience the joy. Of childhood too, so <laughs> you know I'm a giver. I give. There you go. All year long, right? Yeah, that's right. Whether they they want it or not. Right. I guess that's so, the yeah. beauty of having daughters as well. They're easily embarrassed. Oh yes, absolutely. And now my youngest, uh, Lulu, uh, she's like the exact opposite. She goes, "Okay, Daddy, do a voice. Okay, he's gonna do a voice now. Here comes the voice. Do that one. You know that one where that guy." That one. Yes, that one. Do that. Okay, watch. Quiet. He's going to talk. You know, it's just the exact opposite. You know, you never know. Right. 
you know, you just never know. It's all a, all a crapshoot, but uh, but it's all good, though. We, as long as we're having fun, and we are. So I love the character Ray in Princess and the Frog, and it seems that with Disney oh, yeah. films, there's always one supporting character that guides you through the movie. Ray did that mm-hmm. and stole the film. So how did you come up with his persona and voice? Oh, gosh, well... You know, when I was a kid, I uh, I was born in uh, Ohio, but I, I, as soon as I got out of high school, I jetted out of there uh, with the excuse of going to Mardi Gras, which was true, but it was also an excuse to leave. Uh, so I went down uh, to New Orleans, and the first job I got, uh, you know, I got there, and I didn't have a dime. Uh, actually, I had $112 or something like that in an orange uh, nap backpack, you know. Um, and so I thought, well, this is no fun, the part where I'm not eating. So I got a job as a deckhand on a riverboat, and uh, that was great because, A, you had a place to sleep because you were on the boat, you lived on the boat, and B, they had a refrigerator full of food. <laughs> so so that worked out really well, and so as a result, I was out there, and any number of, uh, gosh, uh, guys out there that you... You meet on the boats or in the intercoastal waterway up and down the Mississippi River. They are very much from Louisiana and out there in the sticks. I mean, way out there. And, uh, you know, so, so many guys that I worked with, English was their second language, even though they were born in America. Right. <coughs> you know, the uh, the Cajun uh, French is, is a very different type of French down there. This big, you know, and it and it's and it's not... Uh, Canadian and it certainly isn't Parisian um, but it's it's Cajun and and you know I would be just immersed in it literally because I I would I was I was like out of four guys I was the only one we're all born in America but they, they their first language was French so I just I had that accent down pat crammed into my head no matter what I wanted and I remember sometime I'd be there and the captain would say look at both I want you to go out there like that. Get over there on that boss battery. Change that one on the left side. Go to the money. Put it over there. Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> sure. And I went, oh, man, I'm so sorry. What the hell did you just say? You know, and uh, I was real popular with them. They loved it. <laughs> they hated me. Uh, but uh, at any rate, I ended up really getting that down. And then uh, because a lot of people, you know, uh, they'll say, well, it's got to be a Cajun accent. And they sound like Gomer Pyle, sound like they're trying to talk like this. Mm-hmm. And it ends up just being sort of a hillbilly. Well, they don't even have hills. It's a bayou. <laughs> How are you going to have a hill on a bayou? So uh, so that doesn't work. So I ended up, there, there weren't, thank goodness, I'm knocking on wood, tons of actors out there who do Cajun as opposed to just Southern. And it was everything for me. I, uh, you know, it had New Orleans. It had... Uh, it even had food. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> Princess of the Frog. And, and it was great because uh, my little girl, Gracie, she's 10 now, but at the time when we when the movie came out, she was about four, and so was Princess Tiana in the beginning of the movie when she first showed up, if you recall, yep. uh, in John Goodman's house, of all people. Uh, <laughs> and she was four. And I joked around with, with uh, Ron and John, uh, you know, uh, Clements and Musker, the, the world-famous... Uh, Musker Clements team of uh, of uh, writer directors producers, and I said, well, if I don't get this job, I'm going to sue you because this little girl, Princess Tiana, it looks exactly like my little daughter. And I showed them a picture of it, and they even had one. It was sort of those sepia tones that the artists use as a model. We had a picture taken of Gracie like that, and it really did look like Princess Tiana. Oh wow! Uh, and so I thought, well, here here's my daughter, you know, because she adopted us. 
Uh, Gracie did. Uh, some people say, "Well, we adopted." No, I think I got the deal. She adopted me, <laughs> and nice. so uh, I'm the one. I'm the one with the uh, that came out ahead. Uh, she stuck with me, but I get to have her. So uh, you know, and I, I, it just had everything that I liked. You know, I mean, it had Cajun music. It had it had Louisiana. First of all, and it was also the only, not only the first. Uh, you know, a little black girl, African American girl that became, became a Disney princess. She was actually in a real place, not Atlantis or you know, or Mars or God on, or you know. It was assuming you consider New Orleans real. That is, and it's it's real enough. It's real enough. And uh, so I thought, gosh, I I gotta get in on this one. And I was very very fortunate, and um, I ended up singing a, a Cajun love song for the audition, which is the name of the song, by the way. It's not. It's not just a Cajun love song. The name of the song is a Cajun love song. And that's what I had to sing. And I showed up for the audition because you had to have a Cajun love song. Oh, wow. Well, I looked all around and there was no sheet music out there because none of those guys, I don't forget about, uh, you know, I mean, they just, they don't even know English. Well, how are they going to write music down? You know, they don't. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Leon Russell had a, an album out, the great piano player uh, called, uh, it was up on, it was on his uh, Tightwire album and it was called a Cajun love song. So I said, what kind of Cajun love song? They, they said, what, what Cajun love song did you bring? And I said, well, it's a Cajun love song. Yes, I know. But which one? A Cajun love song. <laughs> Who's no, on first? And, yeah, and it turned into one of those. And I said, no, you're not going to believe this, but you said to sing this. You, it says right here to bring a Cajun love song. Now, damn it, there it is. Now, let's do it. Well, we couldn't find sheet music for that either. So as a result, we, um, I said, well, I guess I could do it Acapulco, you know, uh, acapella without, you know, and they said, okay, okay. So I launched it. So the very, very first thing out of my mouth as Ray in the audition was a Cajun love song. And uh, then we went on to the dialogue. We did the song, did the music. Okay, well, he can sing, blah, blah. Now we're on to the dialogue. Okay, good, good, good. And apparently they... Um, they uh, liked it enough that uh, they told my agent at the time, well, you know, we think Jim's pretty good here. Uh, and rather than just calling back, we're going to wait for a while because we're in the, just starting the casting process. And if we find somebody else that we like, uh, you know, in that neighborhood as much as him or, or around there, we will call him back and then decide between the two. So I said, oh, great. You know, this is like January of... Uh, uh, maybe oh nine, I guess, and I said, "Well, that means." <laughs> so I guess Harry Connick Jr. is going to get it. That's all I know because <laughs> you know he's going to. That's going to be fine. He'll be on the Tonight Show. He'll be on Letterman. Fine. I'll be sitting over here watching, and I, and, I, <clears throat> and it was driving me crazy because I knew that you know I would uh, when it came out on Blu-ray, I'd be sitting there listening to it for the next five years because my kids, you know, they'll get the movie right. and they watch it five hundred times. Yep. So sure <laughs> enough, six months later. Um, they called me back in, and 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 she goes, well, we we finally got somebody else that uh, you're you're. It's basically you going up against somebody else. And I said, oh really? She goes, do you remember what you were saying back in January? Because this is June. I go, oh no. She goes, oh yeah. I said, me and me and Harry Connick Jr., the really good-looking, famous singer who's famous and good-looking and looks good while he's being famous. She goes, yeah, him. I go, oh crap. <laughs> so I went back in there and I I did my thing and I just put together a, a, like a so you know because it looked like a little guy so he could not have a big voice like that and you know you know what I'm, 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 I'm too squeaky so I got him right in the middle and uh, I just put together uh, two or three guys that were in my head and out came Ray <clears throat> and I um, 
excuse me, I, I just knew that he kind of, he led with his heart, and uh, that was very informative, and he had this unrequited love for Evangeline, so I just kind of, I don't know, I stirred it all up in my head and crossed my fingers and dove in, and I ended up getting to be Ray. And uh, Harry Connick Jr. has to explain to his kids why, he, why he's not in. No, I have no idea. I have no. I'm, Harry's a great guy. There's no doubt about it. But uh, so that, that, that's that's how Ray came around. And he's it, just for the record, he's also one of my faves. So for sure, you know, because oh, uh, he yeah, he, he's very dear to a lot of people heart people's heart. And you know, the women they they like a man with a big back poach. Yeah. So you know, I got that girl for me. Whoo! Yeah, you're right. And he, uh, he's a Saints fan, too, I'm pretty sure. Oh, of I'm course. sure. <laughs> yeah, we talked about how Disney afternoons were such a big part of our childhood. Are you still surprised by the continued popularity of those shows? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, they were a big part of my childhood, too, and I was an adult. So <laughs> that's how effective it was to me. But, I no, I, I loved it. I, I remember thinking this is like I, I, I really did have a, it in my head that this might be some form of a golden age here because – all the uh it was such a great idea you know uh because it was always saturday morning for me when i was coming up uh saturday morning was it and then all of a sudden you know uh, somewhere along the line in the mid 80s uh the geniuses the powers that be over at disney um there was uh gosh gary chrysler and of course uh this is back when michael eisner and jeffrey katzenberg and the gang were still over there developing at disney and all these brilliant writers like uh if I start naming them, I'll, I'll, I'm in trouble because I'll leave some of them out, and then I'll be then they'll shoot me. But uh, <laughs> it was it was great because they, you know, uh, there were were the Wuzzles, there were gummy bears, and uh, somewhere along the line they started. I guess the the show started piling up, and they go, wait a minute, you know, why don't we just back these stack these babies on top of each other and call it the Disney Afternoon? And they did, and and all these shows, uh, gosh, Aladdin and Gummy Bears and Tailspin and uh, Darkwing Duck. Uh, uh, just started funneling through and and Barkers was in there and uh, on and on and it was just sort of a, a, a golden era and the, the, the shows just kept developing and uh, coming down the pike. It, it was just great. You know, in fact, I on my uh, home movies, I just, re my eldest daughter, Livia, gave me a, a gift for Christmas that uh, she put together a bunch of old VHS home movies, put transferred them over to DVD and one of them was the very, very last, I want to say it was 1989 or 1990, the very last uh, recording of the Gummy Bears, the very oh, last wow. show. And it was on my home movies. And, you know, was back in back then, it, we, you know, you're carrying around this big camera and you got the, the jukebox on the side holding the tape. And, uh, you know, you're getting a hernia carrying this portable thing around. Well, I'm, I'm glad I did because I, I basically got a, a mini documentary of... Uh, of the uh, and it was from inside the booth. Literally, I oh, brought really? it in, inside the recording studio, looking back at the engineers and all the writers and the producers because they all came up for the last show. And so you've got all the uh, the creative types in there, the writers and uh, etc. In in the booth, and then in 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 the recording studio. There's of course there's Michael Rye and Walker Edmiston and Corey Burton and Tress McNeil and. Pat Music was there, uh, June Foray, looking very foxy, oh, wow. and uh, it, it was just, you know, Lorenzo Music was there, and Peter Cullen, and Rob Paulson, and, uh, ay, ay, I mean, and Noel North, and Katie Lee, and I'm trying to think, I don't know if Will Ryan was there or not, but it was just the whole, 
you know, the whole Gummy Bear crew, and we're just having a great time and everything, and I've been thinking of trying to figure out what the heck to do with it. I, uh, I'll probably end up doing some, some sort of a, I, I was thinking maybe doing something with D23 next time around, and then... Okay. Because I think they they'd have a good time. There's a few Disney fans there from time there's to time. A couple, at D- there's a couple right. D23. <laughs> the odds are with me. Yeah. So uh, so uh, I'll keep you posted. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love. Yeah, to see but that. it was magical. I just loved it. It was a, an amazing time. And you're right. You're right. The characters. I mean, I, I, I guess I you know I hear this rumor that uh, they're going to be doing uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. That's what I'm hearing. The movie yeah. and uh, and I. Um, Oh, gosh, not quite every single day, but bloody close. Uh, someone will say, so um, I hear they're going to, uh, like, reboot Darkwing, huh? And I'll go, <laughs> I go, well, uh, d- did you really hear that, or are you just uh, looking at me and then hoping it? Well, pretty much just hoping. Yeah. I said, well, you know, we're not waiting on me. Because, uh, you know, Tad Stones, the great Tad Stones, he, he's uh, Darkwing's dad, and I always say Ginny McSwain, she was the uh, voice director at the time, uh, they are his parents. Uh, you know, when we started up Darkwing and nobody knew that it would be, I mean, it, he is astonishingly popular, I uh, love uh, you know, at, I mean, like right now, well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. And I, cause I, I've done a few uh, conventions and I go to some of the cons nowadays and, and I mean, you know, parents will come up and they're both Darkwing and then there's a little seven year old Darkwing and I go, okay, <laughs> how's this little guy know about? And then the dad will pull out. A big stack of DVDs and go, will you sign these? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I sure will. You know, and yeah, we're raising them right, you know, showing them the classics. <laughs> and I'm going, yes, you are, Dad. Good job. Gold star. <laughs> so I guess he's staying alive uh, against all odds. And uh, I mean, you know, it's like I say, we're not waiting on me. I got a few ideas in my head, you know, for plot lines. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, Michael Keaton brought uh, Batman back. It was uh, the last time I think we saw Batman prior to Michael Keaton's and Tim Burton's was uh, Adam West. Adam West, yeah. And then uh, 25 whatever years later, all of a sudden Batman's a viable franchise and and I'm just can't wait to see Ben Affleck, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, his version of Batman. Yeah, a nah, tough act to follow. Hey, so, you kids can't be in here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so anyway. talking about uh, Darkwing Duck and Tailspin, you played several characters on those shows. Did you find it really hard to keep those voices separated when doing so many shows at the same time? No, I, I, I people have asked me that, and and I honestly, I mean, it's not. I'm not saying that in a braggadocious sort of way. I, it's just, it just never occurred to me to be confused. I think I'm probably so bloody schizophrenic, and so so am I. That uh, it doesn't matter, you know. They they just uh, they just show up. See, because I don't I don't, and I think part of it is because uh, I get asked this a, a lot, and people say, "Well, you do voices, voices," and technically that's true, but that's almost the nuts and bolts of it. It's not the real heart of it because you know, uh, folks like myself or or Rob Paulson or or Jess or you know Frank Walker, Peter, you know, on and on and on. We're Yes, we're voice actors, but really we're, it's, these are characters. These, we're character actors. Um, you know, these are all, you know, Darkwing isn't a voice, and, you know, Tigger's not a voice, and Ray's not a voice. He's, he's Darkwing Duck, and he's Tigger, and he's Ray. And that's, those are the characters, and that just so happens to be how they sound. Right. 
mm-hmm. when they speak. That's what they sound like. That's what these characters sound like. They're they're not because the, if you just think of it as a voice, well then you know, uh, you, you know you can, it's like you you could read the you know the phone book and there wouldn't be any soul to it. You know, in a voice. But uh, if they're characters, and that so I think that you know rather than my myself thinking of it as just a voice that pops up it's that character talking you know and i and i i think that might be a bit of a key to that question uh i think <laughs> because again i don't think that much about it it just happens knock on wood and i hope it stays there whatever went wrong i hope stays wrong <laughs> <laughs> You're you're part of the Star Wars family now, voicing Hondo on on Rebels. Um, were you a big Star Wars fan beforehand, and and how does it oh, feel sure. to be part of that canon? I mean, oh yeah, I I know what you mean. I of course I I can't imagine you know not being a Star Wars fan when it came out when I was a uh, whippersnapper. I remember looking at these commercials, going, "Are you kidding me? That looks like it just blew up. What was that? A moon? No, <laughs> it's, it's no a moon. that's no moon. You know, <laughs> it's like." And uh, so I, you know, what can I say? I, I never in a million years would have ever thought that uh, I would have uh, have any tiny little part in. And yeah, Hondo, I'm so honored and so happy because, um, you know, that's like a whole, it's it's its own universe. Uh, you, you know, uh, literally, it's actually few, as, as I recall, several universes uh, and galaxies, but uh but uh, no, I honestly, I just think of it. Uh, I'm just honored and and proud to be just one little teeny cog in one of the many gears and one of the many wheels. And uh, uh, you know, I he Hondo initially, uh, I think he came on maybe the first or second season, and he kind of made a splash. And next thing you know, he was being written in again. And then by the time uh, the the season, you know, Star Wars Clone Wars concluded, he was kind of doing really well and he has this really strong fan base so naturally murphy's law well we're done then let's cut let's cut that crap off then okay good yeah okay well thanks that was good night everybody you know and uh the next thing you know and, and it was interesting because at that point they uh the powers that be at lucasfilm they said well you know we're not good we're gonna do rebels now and but the thing is we're not gonna get any of the guys from clone wars we're not, not even gonna get those actors who played this character or that character that will not even be in Rebels. We don't even want them to audition for any of the new guys in Rebels. So they were really kind of, uh, you know, slicing it off and cutting it off and starting anew, which I respect and I understand a little. On the other hand, uh, we do more than one character, so it's okay. We can, I promise you, you know. (laughs) But next thing you know, and I don't don't even know why, uh, maybe it was just a certain level of notoriety or maybe they needed some comic relief that had a little spice to it because he's not he's certainly not a, a a comic relief but he's but he's not a hardcore villain either he's not a sith lord you know it's not like uh you know he's a true bad guy you know i wouldn't want him i wouldn't want to play cards with him but uh he's not necessarily a true true villain in that sense of the word and i think you know i don't know maybe it was a ratings thing or whatever but next thing i know i get this phone call and they my agent said well you're not gonna believe this Remember how no no uh, Clone Wars people are allowed in Rebels? And I said, yeah, no, don't rub it in. She goes, well, one of them is. <laughs> and I said, really? <laughs> I said, I wonder who the, who is that by by chance? She said, Hondo's back. And I go, yes. So uh, sure enough, he was back last week, a uh, day after my birthday. Good birthday so present. So I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, nice birthday present. Yeah, and I, I love the guy. You know, everybody loves a lovable rogue. 
Exactly. And and he's very much that, I think, you know. And plus he's a fine mentor and father figure to Ezra. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hmm. I, you know, your character has touched millions of people's lives, but you do something really special with uh, make a wish to bring joy to those who are sick. What does that mean to you mm. to be able to give back in such a special way? Oh, sure. Well, you know, I, it's not like I do it every single day, but I, I, even if, um, you know, it's not even necessarily a, a, a little one who is ill or what have you. I, I, I do them as favors to, you know, the engineer's got a nephew or, you know, someone's got a grandchild or so. And I just, you know, it's the kind of thing that I, I think, you know, you know, my head would probably have exploded had uh, y- you know Daffy Duck or Bugs Bunny sent a, a, a tape message to me with my name in it? You know, mm-hmm. so I think it, I think of that and I go, oh, yeah, God, you can't beat that. See, because it, it it helps out my karma. Then I can go back to being a real jerk, <laughs> my natural <laughs> habitat. You know, but uh, but no, it, it's it's great. I, I you know I do that anyway, and I I think that is such a small uh, effort on my part that. You know, and it brings such uh, happiness to. And believe me, these aren't just little kids. That, that uh, honestly, I think the parents get as big a kick out of it, or, or more. Um, I, my goodness, I've got oh, stories yeah. that would put you on your knees. Um, yeah, as a father you know, so to many... young kids, my I have a two-year-old daughter and a five-year-old yeah. son, and my two-year-old is just getting into Winnie the Pooh now. Sure. So you know, it's just amazing to see the connection that these kids have with these characters. And they think they're alive in, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. They are, you know, so. And... Oh, sure. I mean, why wouldn't Winnie the Pooh uh, call you on the phone? Right. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're sick today. Well, well, that was. Oh, thanks. You know, thanks, Pooh. <laughs> What's that? Take some honey. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, brother. And, uh, you know, it's just so lovely to speak with them. And you can hear the, the wonder in their voices. And, you know, and then I tell them to keep on bouncing. And uh, next thing you know, everything's copacetic. <laughs> so, and, but again, the parents are the ones that get the biggest right, kick out yeah. of it. And, yep. and I love smart, that huh? too, you know, because it's natural for the little right. ones. They go, oh yeah, Pooh, what's up? Right. You know, it's, <laughs> they're, they're, they're there. They're right there. Yep. And then, of course, some of them are thunderstruck. And, you know, like I say, it's just a, it's just a, a sweet thing and I enjoy doing it. And, um, uh, gosh, I, I've got so many stories. We could be here all day. I, Someday I think I need to write an article or a book or a journal or something just on that because there are some uh, some sweet little uh, hearts out there, you know, especially uh, a lot of uh, kids I know that, that have, are in the spectrum and uh, of aut- autism and, and Asperger's, you know, they um, I think they latch on to folks like myself because... Uh, it's it's uh it speaks to their ability you know i had i once had it explained to me uh that syndrome as uh you know most people look at the world through an open window or an open door whereas uh so many of uh, the little ones uh, that are uh, as they say in the spectrum they they tend to look more through a peephole or through a keyhole or through a, t- a porthole so to speak and they're not getting the full right uh, you know, uh, but yet in their own way, you know, so many of them are just so gifted and so, so they have such singularity of focus that, uh, you know, there's a strength in there as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, anytime you can, you know, and, and like I say, the parents are the ones that they are really grateful and they're really happy because sometimes, you know, some of these little guys, they don't, they don't get a lot of, I don't know, joy. Right. Uh, it's, it's right. a, it's a darker, more of a gray place. And so if I could throw some, 
splashes of color in there uh, to speak poetically, uh, then I'll do it. You know, I, I, that's what it's all about. That's why we're all here anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so you famously, I guess, or infamously, one or the other, stepped in for Jeremy Irons when he was having some issues with the Lion King. Was that intimidating oh. for you? or? You know, I didn't even think about it. I uh, I mean, it, it was. I, I, I think, uh, you know, certain things are obviously more challenging than others. And, you know, the gang over there at Disney, they kind of know me as a singer. And uh, my friend Jess Arnell and I did uh, the demo for Hakuna Matata for Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabella. And um, that's a whole nother story there, which ended up in me writing the fart verse in Hakuna Matata. Thank you. <laughs> really? <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that would be me. Oh my God. Uh, when I was the old, you know, what uh, was lying? Oh, the shame. What's in the name? And I got downhearted every time that I pull, but not in front of the kids. Sorry. Hakuna Matata. Then we're off. <laughs> but, um, excuse me. But, um, I, so they kind of, you know, you know, everybody over there kind of knows that at Disney features and, and TV that, well, Jim sings and, you know, and apparently, um, you know, Jeffrey Irons, see, a lot of actors can't sing and a lot of singers can't act and I cannot do either one. So I get to do both. <laughs> so, so, uh, it works out really well. And, uh, you know, I had a, I had a very, fairly good, uh, scar impression. And, uh, Jeremy does all the speaking, right. by the way. Although I did loop maybe like five or six lines in the film, but that was all. Uh, he was back in England, but, um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, be prepared is kind of a big, pew, splashy Broadway feeling sort of a thing. And uh, the bad guys always get a tango for some reason. And then, of course, you laugh like a crazy person at the end of the song for some reason. And, and I don't and I'm not sure why. But uh, if you're a villain, you sing a tango, then laugh. So that's what we did. Uh, and. Uh, you know, Jeremy does all the speaking, and then I can't... I used to have it... I'd have to listen to it again to determine where I come in. But once I'm in, I'm in for the rest of the song. In fact, I don't think he... He never even gets to the words, uh, be prepared. Um, you know, the rest of that is me. And, uh, you know, I... You know, he's he's great, but he's kind of like one of those... Um, ah, gosh. Uh, a good example was... Uh, people always use his Rex Reed, I guess, in uh, My Fair Lady... Or no, Rex Reed. What am I saying? Is that was that his name? Oh, this is terrible. I'm I'm forgetting the man's name. Um, oh, ooh, ooh, anyway, Rex Reed. God, that was a film critic. Uh, Henry Higgins. That's too late. Rex Harrison. Oh my gosh, yeah, Rex right. Reed. Just shoot me. Anyway, Rex Harrison. And he, you know, he was a very proper English fellow, but he didn't sing. You see. But Harris Pop, I wonder what the king is doing tonight. You know, uh, right. Richard Harris is another one. And they thought, well, that's good, but we'd really, really like somebody to just get in there and sing the hell out of this. And um, and Jeremy gave it a really good go. And um, my close personal friend, uh, Sir Tim Rice. Yeah, you guys are buying that? Anyway. <laughs> no, uh, he, he said... He, oh, okay. No, he, uh, you know, he said, what do you think we can do for us there, Jimmy? Well, shall we give it a go? And I said, yes, I think we shall. So I uh, I got in, and I guess I cloned enough of it. And, and uh, uh, he he people say that he threw his voice out. I'm not. Uh, I think that's your back. You do that to your back. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if you can do it to your voice. You can get a, you can get sick. I mean, I'm sick, so I guess that's throwing my voice out. That sounds more like ventriloquism. But at any rate, I uh, I was there, and they said, well, let's uh, let's throw Jim into the mix, and 
we did X amount of takes, and next thing you know, an hour or two later, uh, Be Prepared was done. And uh, it was kind of fun because I understand, <coughs> according to uh, Disney legend, that uh, because I know Jeffrey Katzenberg, he's, he's an amazing, he's incredible attention to detail. And that's why everything he touches is so strong uh, and so amazing. But uh, I guess they didn't tell him. Uh, until after, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, okay, well, we, we got the, the soundtrack down here. Listen to this one. Oh, that's good. How about this one? Yeah, let's go. How about uh, be prepared? Uh, <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah. That, oh, it's great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Cut print. Oh, are you kidding me? I love it. I love it. They go, okay. Well, that wasn't Jeremy. What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't Jeremy? Of course it was Jeremy. And, uh, you know, they, they, they said, well, we had Jim come in and pinch it like, you know, so I, I jokingly say that I'm a stunt singer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, and I've done it for a few people, Danny DeVito, uh, Ed Asner and, uh, Christopher Lloyd. And, uh, <clears throat> I was once Janis Joplin once for a uh, tiny tunes, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm just honored, you know, and, uh, it was great because I, I remember looking at the credits when the DVD came out or the CD, and it says, performed by Jeremy Irons, Cheech Marin, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and Jim Cummings. And I thought, okay, well, that's cool. It, but if you watched in the movie, you will see that my character, Ed, which I am on screen, Ed is in the, 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 the song. He's all over the song, but he's only there, and he doesn't say anything. So how did Jim Cummings get in the credit on this song if Ed didn't say anything? Well, it's because I wasn't playing it at the time. <laughs> I was playing Scar. <laughs> <clears throat> and that'll do it every time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there you have it. Yeah, that's my story of sneaking in the back door. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, we got uh, just a couple more here. What What are you working on right now? What other projects should we be on the lookout for? Oh, gosh. Uh, several movies are coming out. A couple... Uh, they don't have the names for. They haven't solidified the name, but one is going to be uh, Get Squirrely, uh, John Leguizamo and uh, 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 Will Fort and John Cleese. Uh, I'm very happy to, to be one of his henchmen again. And uh, so that's coming out, and I don't know when, but there's another one called Sava, Heart of a Warrior. Oh, gosh. Uh, one that I'm, is really going to be interesting. It's, uh, it's either going to be Charmed or Charming. or And I play King Charming. It's uh, I'm Wilder Valderrama's dad, who's Prince Charming. That we, I am not sure when that's coming out. But, you know, uh, certainly Star Wars Rebels is, is popping. And Goldie and Bear uh, coming to a TV near you, uh, Disney Channel. And, gosh, you did some Puss in Boots yesterday. Uh, there is a Scooby-Doo movie in the horizon coming out. And, uh, you know, as soon as somebody asks me, I start forgetting all the things that I'm doing. But, uh, there's a relaunch of Darkwing Duck too, right? That's oh yeah. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're, 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 uh, getting ready to flap in the night. Well, somebody has to do it, citizen. Launchpad to the rat catcher. So uh, I'm there if, they, if that ever happens. And, uh. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah. You just made my day, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent work, Launchpad. Very good. <laughs> well, I, I uh, just uh, I can tell you one thing that uh, that people seem to get a kick out of it. it about five or six shows into Darkwing, I, um, you know, there was always a point where, you know, he was going to confront the villain. 
and you would hear, I am the terror that flaps at the ni- in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Well, the first two lines, <coughs> excuse me, the first line and the last line always remained the same. The one in the middle was the variable. I am the, the paper jam in your, in the, or I am the, the, the jam up in the paper <laughs> copier of crime, the paper jam in the copier of crime, or, you know, something like that. Halfway in uh, the first season, it, I, I can't remember who did who, which wrote, writer wrote this, but the, the line came up, I am the terror that flaps in the night. It doesn't matter what I write here, Jim will say something else anyway. I <laughs> am Darkwing Duck. <laughs> so, so, uh, so there you have it. Yeah. That's right. my our closing anecdote. So ad libs are welcome as long as they're copacetic, I guess. Right. 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 Yeah. So the last five questions we have for you are the tiki lightning round. We ask everybody who comes on the show the same five questions. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, your favorite snack in a Disney park? Mmm. I'm gonna have to go with churros. Probably yeah. the same as everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> My man. Your favorite attraction? Oh no! Now I'm doomed. <laughs> um, boy, I don't know. Gosh, is it pirates? It's uh, uh, the oh, uh, the one that's not. It's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> that one. That's not. A it's answer. a small world. Your favorite <clears throat> Disney character? Mmm, golly. Well, I I, I kind of like Pete, but that sounds bad because I ended up being him. Because you're Pete, yeah. But I just, uh, no, but it really isn't because of me. I just always thought, uh, I don't know, he, he seemed like he was always having a good time. Yeah. Uh, even even though he was what was passing for like a Disney bad guy. Um, yeah, but Pete's see, one of my favorite characters. That's... I love Pete, especially on the uh, Mickey Clubhouse. Yeah, Pete's he's great. He's just mischievous. Oh yes, yes. Well, that that that's for sure. But I I can't really say one that that I'm there. You know, uh, uh, probably carpet from Aladdin. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> although that's not a bad choice. No, carpet no. had a great um, personality. He just didn't talk. Right. Yeah, he surely did. Yes, he did. But you know, I I I don't know. Maybe genie, huh? Yeah. You know, good. God bless Robin Williams. Yeah. The thing is, there's way too many. And, I, and, now, and if you mean like the top five, well, then I, I don't know. I guess it would probably be Mickey or Goofy. Right. Because I still can't tell what the heck Donald's saying. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think after all these years I'd be able to... I'm sorry. And, you know, and they would let me do that every now and then. I don't know what the heck you just said, but I probably disagree. You know, Pete and Donald. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, favorite Disney movie. Disney what? Movie. Oh, gosh. Well, it was always uh, Jungle Book forever, like from when I was a kid all the way up. Maybe I'll stick with Jungle Book because there's one or two more, but I was in them, and that sounds weird. I'd feel funny because I'm going to take all the ones I was in out because that sounds a bit, you know, self-aggrandizing. But uh, it it was definitely, for me, coming up, it was Jungle Book. Uh, The music was astonishing to me. It was just, you know, and then... Knowing that uh, Louis Prima was there, that was his band, by the way. Ooby doo, right, I wanna yeah. be like you. Woo, woo. In fact, King Louis way up there. He might be tied. You know, uh, let's, uh, with all due respect to Jeannie, let's put let's put King Louis in there. And I mean pre me, by the way, because I'm Louis now. But you know what I mean. It was. Right, yeah. I just was knocked out because that was a full blown New Orleans jazz funeral, and that was his band. Those weren't studio musicians. Yep, I know. 
and uh, the, all those guys, hey, look, hey, Baloo, hey, man, what's up? You know, those guys are from New Orleans. And uh, so I'm going to have to go with Jungle Book. And your favorite Disney Park memory? Mm. Oh, my, 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 my. Well, uh, you know, I have four daughters, and um, probably the first time, well, it, you know, and they're, they're well apart in age. Uh, so I think the first time I took my, my kids to, to Disneyland, I did it two at a time. <laughs> so, but that, that would be it. And I can remember, you know, having just about identical experiences. You know, we're all just trudging back to the car. And I've got, you know, Daddy's got his video camera, and I, and I would say, Olivia, Raleigh, did we have a good time today? And they, and they both, they, they're both giggling and laughing and, and stuffing their faces with caramel corn, and <laughs> and uh, and then of course with Lulu and Gracie, my my two younger ones, it's the same thing, and and maybe it's a churro they're stuffing in cotton candy or whatever, but <laughs> it's uh, my favorite, uh, you know, Disney Park moment would be when I took my little ones for the first time. Mm. just across the board and then the last time we went there uh seeing club 33 completely redone as princess and the frog motif oh, yeah. pretty much boggled my brain <laughs> and then the fact that ray is on the cover of the kids menu oh is i it? thought oh wow yep ray is on the co- That's my awesome. little girl gracie we're sitting there and and uh, the the waiter hands us the the uh the the menus uh, kids menus oh yes please and and they opened them up right away and Lulu is sitting on one side of me and Gracie's on the other. And they both are looking up because they didn't notice the menu when they opened it. I guess they were upside down. And Lulu says, Gracie, look at, look. And she points to Gracie's menu. And then Gracie says, Lulu, look. And she points to Lulu's. And they both turn around and there's Daddy on the cover of the kids menu. <laughs> that, one, that wasn't a bad moment either. Yeah, that's a great sure. story. Yeah. So. Well, Jim, we really appreciate you coming on the show and, and taking time out of your morning. Uh, before we let you go, though, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you, uh, social media, your website, wherever else. Oh, sure. Vote. Yeah, well, uh, I'm at Jim Cummings Acme on Twitter. So uh, tweet away and tweet away and say hi. And uh, and then just a regular old Facebook page, Jim Cummings on Facebook. My daughter's forced me to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm still half Amish. I th- you know, I always right. jokingly say so, uh, but I'm there. I'm, 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 I'm alive in this century. So stop by and say hi, by all means. Excellent. So that's going to do it for this week. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your door. For more information, visit KingdomStrollers.com or call 407-271-5301. Also want to thank our second sponsor, MyFantasyBands.com. Are you tired of those boring colors that you get on your Disney World Magic Bands? Other than the purple one that we know everyone wants, go over to MyFantasyBands.com and customize your own ma- uh, customize your Magic Band with some really awesome decals. And you can use the code EnchantedTikiTalk20 to get 20% off your order. That's EnchantedTikiTalk20 for 20% off. Please let us know what you thought of the show. Comment in the notes over at EnchantedTikiTalk.com. Email us at podcast at EnchantedTikiTalk.com. And leave us a message on the TikiTalk hotline, which is 256-4MY-TIKI. That's 256-469-8454. Please like us on Facebook. Check out our store at RedBubble.com. And follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at TikiTalkPodcast. Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me on Twitter at One Minute Disney Dream. That's one M I N Disney Dream and MouseWorldVacations.com. And you can find me 
on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dole Whip Daily. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Norman Bates. That's N-O-R-M-N-B, the number eight and the letter S. Thanks for listening this week. For Sean and Keith and our very special guest, Jim Cummings, I'm Alan, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha. Aloha.